Welcome to our podcast on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Today, what a fantastic opportunity. We're joined today by the captain, Paul Marinaccio, one of my great and dear friends. And I was trying to think about why I call him the captain, and I penned that name for the captain. And what I've come up with is that he really launched my rocket and my career. And that's why I really wanted him to join us today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. You listeners are going to get a real treat from Paul here. Paul, welcome to smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, we really appreciate having you. Let me start from the beginning. And what I visualize is when your father was alive, and I used to, you were my neighbor and I used to see him work around the yard or when I came to the new house when you moved a little bit further away. He would always have a schedule and he would be in his yard, in your yard, doing all kinds of tasks and it was always on time. And I was just thinking about that. He was a Teamsters union rep, according to your profile. You were an only child. What did you learn from your father about business, about work ethic or? anything in that regard? Well, frankly, that was the real captain. So dad was a very organized type of a guy. He was highly motivated. He had a level of energy that I don't think I have ever had, even in his later years in life. And he was very organized and he never said, took no for an answer. That's probably why I got along with him really, really well. I've been known for never taking a no as myself there. And so you learned that and from him. But when I first met you, I remember you had moved in and my mother came out and said, I want you to meet the next door neighbor. He's president of a company. And uh, you were president of the uh, Ericsson U.S. division. You were there 10 years. Tell me about that rise, how you got to Ericsson quickly here and how you rose to the level of president? Well, I almost need to kind of go back further in order to get to that point. I spent pretty much all of my adult life in high technology, starting out in the consulting side of telecommunications and then migrating toward the, with a couple of different companies, migrating toward the sale, design, sale, and installation of telephone systems for large corporations, businesses, government, universities, hospitals, etc. So that's kind of the earlier part of my career. And those were the days when it just became legal to compete with Bell Telephone and ATT. So there was a lot of controversy. There was a lot of upheaval back in those days, mainly because it was learn as you go. And nobody had the book yet. There was no book yet on how it was going to be done. So there were an awful a lot of companies that in the early days came and went. The big ones always managed to ride out the storm, Ericsson being one of them, even though in a Swedish corporation. At the time, Ericsson was the third largest manufacturer of telecommunications equipment in the world, as well as a whole bunch of other electronic equipment. So as the technology progressed, what happened is the, the introduction of computers. And before we got to personal computers, computers were being integrated into other forms of technology. And in this case, specifically, telephone systems began to be designed as computer-controlled devices. So really, the introduction to computers in technology really came, in my case, 
from the integration of computers in telephone and telephone-related equipment. That step just continued to migrate, and then came the introduction of the personal computers into the world. And for me, it was natural to move to just migrate from the telecommunications side of it to primarily the computer side of the business. And my period with Ericsson actually started earlier in my career when I worked for a national distributor of Ericsson technology. And at one point, we were the exclusive distributors in the United States. So I got to know the people at Ericsson during that period of time. I left. One of my other major steps is I became the vice president of uh, sales and marketing for a company that ultimately was bought by uh, Holiday Ends. And it became the communications and technology arm of Holiday Inns International. That's when I moved to uh, Tennessee and I was, you know, headquartered at the Holiday Inns World Headquarters in Memphis. I stayed with them for three or four years and Ericsson came back and found me. With them, we met again at one of the big telecommunications trade shows and asked me to take over as a vice president of their facilities down in Florida, which I did. I ultimately went back to Florida again, and there I stayed. And for about five years in that role, at that point, they promoted me to president of the U.S. subsidiary. Wow, what a fantastic ride. But I also remember coming out in my yard, and this was like the second time I met you and my mother saying, Paul's having a real tough time mentally. You should go and talk to him and get to know him a little bit. That was really the first time I started to get to know you. And I think that was right when you were leaving Ericsson. Tell me about that. Why did you leave? Was it, you know, being burnt out working for a larger corporation or give me some insight into that? Well, you know, there were a lot of reasons, but probably to make it easier to understand for me, I became president of Ericsson when I was between 30 and 35 years old. I was one of the youngest, if not the youngest at that time, president in their history. So to get to that point at such a young age, you really had to be a rocket with all the afterburners lit. And I think that's really what probably wore me out is I started at a, an incredible pace, very young. And by the time I got to the 40-ish mark, I was really burnt out. I was just burnt out because I was moving at such an incredible pace and I was ready for a slower pace. And the technology and the timing had come far enough along where I really felt like it was in my own best interest psychologically and physically when you start running into problems with depression or anxiety, and that goes on for extended periods of time, those psychological problems immediately will move down into physical problems. And it was at that point that I finally decided to uh, move on. The interesting thing is, I think about it, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you went from that right into the stained glass business. And I want to understand that because here you go. How do you choose a stained glass business given that background? Is it because you researched a number of franchises, small business franchises, and says, this looks interesting? Did you have an interest in stained glass? Tell me a little about how that transition was made. 
Well, that's probably one of the more interesting parts of the story is having had spent virtually all of my adult life in technology. When I decided to get out, at that point, I was really exhausted from the standpoint of what I had been doing. And I really felt like I was at a point where, whether permanent or not, at that point, I needed to do something different. I needed to get away from the technology. So I started to casually look around at different types of business opportunities. I'm not sure, but I think it was in the Wall Street Journal when I was reading the journal and I happened to see an ad. At that point, I certainly had no interest in that type of a business. And from my point of view, had no talent in that area either. I didn't view myself as being an artistic type person, but I was really curious about the ad, what I was reading about it. So long and the short of the story, I just kind of followed that through. And one of the things it said in the ad is you don't need any experience in this area. We train you, we teach you to do everything you need to know in terms of how to design the glasswork. And that was very curious to me. Long and the short of it, I followed through with all of that. And the more I looked at it, the more I liked it. And I felt like it was the kind of business that was kind of recession proof, meaning that people who are going to invest the money in those types of products are not buying it because it's not a hot dog you're buying. So I decided to move ahead with it. And, you know, I really surprised myself if I ever had, and I think you may have seen some of the work and some of the uh, pictures of the work we've done when we were back in that period. Oh, it was fantastic. But it just popped another question in my mind because I've seen people go into small business in a field that they don't exactly know or have worked in. And then there's kind of prisoner to other people having to come in and do the main job for them. Were you concerned about that? That, hey, if I don't exactly know how to do this, I have to hire someone else to do it. And then I become a manager. But when push comes to shove, let's say that person quits, then I'm stuck because I may not have the talent. Like, did that come across your mind there? Or you were, after getting that training, you were confident that you can execute that job yourself? I had no problem. I mean, once I spent enough time investigating what was involved in the learning process, I was quite comfortable about whether my ability to learn what I had to learn. So I never felt uncomfortable when I went into the business from the standpoint of feeling like I can do what has to be done to do this design work. There were several occasions during that period of time where I got involved in some jobs where I really needed not a glass artist, I needed an artist artist to paint, do some specific type of paintwork that was going to go onto the glass. Uh, but the number of times that that issue occurred was maybe once or twice in all the time I was in the business. And I was certainly good enough at doing it where the people that I hired, I had to train them. And I had no problem doing that. Well, that's great. Well, then let me ask you a question. Why did you get out of this business? And, and we're going to get to this back to the SGS computer business. By the way, just for our listeners, you're listening to smallbusinesshorsepower.com. Our pleasure today to be joined by the captain himself, Paul Marinaccio. Paul, you got out of that business and went back into the computer world. And earlier you had said that you felt that that stained glass was going to be recession-proof. What was the reasons you got out then ultimately and went back into the computer? 
computer business? Well, first I could tell you that being in that business, doing something handmade that's creative was very rewarding. And it fell in place very nicely to where I was at that point in time in my head. And I needed that. I didn't realize how much I needed that until I started this business and realized how much doing something creative how rewarding it was mentally. And it really, several years of that, I think I stayed in that business for maybe yeah. six or seven years. The bottom line, though, is in the end, as in every business, you make decisions. Hopefully, the lion's share of those decisions are right. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're wrong. And you make a course correction. And I had a standard joke when I finally decided to get back out of that field and go back into technology again. My standard joke was, I always felt that this business was recession proof. And in the end, I found out in a bad recession that the hot dogs won and the stained glass fell behind. One of the things is, and I know this, you went back into the computer business and then I don't think you really ever hired really anyone when you went to that computer business. When you went back to the computer business, did you have that vision that I want a business now that I can keep it to a level where I do it all myself and that I don't want to manage employees? Did it just work out that way over these last years that you've had the computer side of the business or... Was that intentional? In the beginning, when I decided to go back into it, certainly I had the skills. I had the knowledge and the skills to build something pretty large. I've been down that road, even though it was for another corporation. I knew exactly what it would take. And I was at a point in my life, given what I had already been through, that I did not want to travel down that road again. And I needed to make a living, no question about it. But I no longer had the desire to build a large corporation, nor did I have the need to do it either. So my choice up front was to do something small. And in addition to that is, is there were jobs that I've taken on through the years where it was impossible for me to do the job alone. And I found very quickly that if you want to run the business as a small business in computer business, if you want to do that, if you find somebody that you can hire that you can afford as a small business, likely is that they don't have all the skills that you need them to have. And you're going to spend a very large amount of your time correcting what they do wrong. So what I did instead of doing that is I found several other people, other small business people who had computer businesses, and we would work together if we had a project that was large, we would work with each other and do it that way rather than hire employees. Yeah, I remember that. I remember getting in that van you had and then driving all the way out to Queens to meet some of those distributors or importers of all the hardware and parts. And you did it all. You used to take trips at the beginning all the way to Queens and then come back. And then, my goodness, you did the whole thing. And it was during that period, really, where I launched my own business. And I didn't even know that day, and that could be a whole other podcast, but when you helped me bring that desk down to my parents' basement and I just, after getting fired from my day job and I woke up with the business and one thing I'll never forget, you looked at me 
probably about a month into this thing and I didn't even know what I was going to do. And you said, you know what, May? When I see you, I don't see a corporate guy. I mean, I'm glad you got the corporate experience, but I see that you will be successful in building a small business. But neither you or I knew what type of business I was gonna build at that time. How did you just look at me and say, you're going to be successful in small business? I I never really understood that at the time because we didn't even know what business that I was gonna go into. I think when you talk about building a small business, it really doesn't matter what the business is. There's certain criteria that, as you well know now, you may not have realized it back then, but you certainly know it now. There's certain criteria that's needed to be successful in a business. Yes, of course, you have to have the knowledge of the business you're going to be in. And if you don't have it, you certainly are smart enough to know what you need to learn about that business. You need to understand the economics and the finances of managing a business. Well, you got your degree in that area. Wasn't any question in my mind that you knew how to add two and two. And you understand debits and credits and receivables, etc. So all of those basic criteria, let's call that the technical skills, the knowledge part of the business. I already knew you had those skills. So what's the other part, the other half of it, was commitment, you know, and that's the unknown for most people is understanding what the commitment is going to have to be to make any business successful. And I think that most businesses that fail, they fail more because of commitment than anything else. And in your case, there wasn't any question. Back then, you may not have seen yourself as the quarterback. You weren't the quarterback yet. What you were back then was the center. You put your helmet on, put your head down, and plowed through that line, and nothing was going to stop you from plowing through that line. And that's what I saw in you. Boy, I wish the Jets had that on a daily basis, my team. Paul, you made it through all of these years despite some health problems that you had and so on and so forth. And that's another reason I went to the idea that, you know, did you ever consider hiring people so that you don't have to do it? But like you said, you partnered with so many people. How did you find those partners, you know, where, okay, I could team up with someone who does one aspect of this job or another? Uh, What resources did you use to find these partners? People who do what I do for a living are not that hard to find. You run into customers sometimes that will tell you about somebody that they're doing business with. And for whatever the reason be, maybe that person has changed the nature of their business. So he's looking for someone different. You see people, you meet people at the various technology trade shows that are in the area. People like at that time, people at Microsoft, the big intels of the world were always running various seminars for the people like myself who were in the business and selling and designing systems with their products involved. So again, you'd be going to these seminars that were being held in your area. You would meet a whole ton of people at these seminars that did exactly what you did for a living. That's where I met them. That's where I met people that I wound up working with and still do today. There's another side of this when you're self-employed and you work alone. What do you do if you get sick? What do you do if something happens 
and you are physically unable to do what you have to do for a while. That's another reason to have people who do what you do for a living or you want to go on vacation. You want to go away for a couple of weeks. In my business, the phone doesn't stop ringing. So you need a backup. So the things that we do is if I want to go away, I will call one of these people who I'm very close with and say, look, you cover for me. I'm going to go away for a week. And I would put their phone number on my answering machine and say, if something comes up that you can't wait for, please call my colleague and I'd leave their phone number. Or if I was sick, same thing. I'm not able to do anything for a week or something like that. If you can't wait, please feel free to call my colleague. And I would do the same for them. And also during that whole period, I saw adjustments that you made. So even in a business that you've had for such an extended period of time, I'll give you an example. We, I was talking about you running out to Queens to get those parts. At the beginning, you did the hardware side of this business. So if I wanted a 386 computer built or a 486, which I did, you built the whole computer for me. And talking to you today, I don't think you build many computers because it's so cheap to walk into one of these stores and buy a computer. There's probably no margin left in it. So again, you had to adjust your game plan. Am I correct? That's exactly right. It's probably been oh, maybe three or four years now where I actually just stopped building the computers. And it was economics. Uh, it got to a point where when I did build the computers, I would only build computers with quality equipment in the, in the computers. In my business, unlike a pair of shoes where you walk into a shoe store, buy shoes, and the person in the shoe store may never see you again. In my business, whatever I sold, whatever I built, I had to live with. And I had to look at that customer, look at that person in the eye if, if there were a lot of problems and answer for it. So as a result of that, I would only build systems with higher quality equipment in the systems. The average person didn't understand the differences in technology between a much less expensive system and a more expensive system, what the differences in the quality of the equipment really meant. So there was a point where the cost of the equipment, where for me to buy the components to build a system, my cost was greater than what it would cost to buy a decent system from like a Dell off the shelf before I even touched it and put my man hours into it. So my decision was, look, the margins are so small on the hardware, allow the customer and I would help them find the product that fits their needs. They would buy the hardware it's the way I do it. And whatever they need me to do for them, set it up, transfer data, connect it to a network, etc. I would build them for my time. And you do a fantastic job with it. If you're in northern New Jersey, find Paul, SGS Computers. Uh, it's a fantastic organization. He does a fantastic job. I know for a fact that he has clients that come back and back. And that's probably why you don't probably even advertise much now, Paul, or take on a lot of new clients, right? Because you have so many people that just come back to you. And I think that's an important point here for small business owners is how to bring that customer back to you because it's so much less expensive to retain a customer that you already have than go out and develop another one, right? Especially when you're doing things yourself and you got to go to a trade show and find another customer and set up a booth. You don't have to do that because you do good work and people come back to you for a second hell helping, right? 
That's true in every business. And, you know, some businesses are not repetitive, per se. In my business, it's very much repetitive. And very quickly, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're not honest with your customers, if you don't treat them fairly, they will disappear very quickly. The fact that I have so many customers, I have many customers that I've been doing business with 15, 20 years. That's not going to happen if you're not taking care of your customers. Bottom line. Well, Paul, you take care of your customers. You're great at what you do. And I really wanted to have you today on Small Business Horsepower because you really, as we discussed, helped launch my career. And thank you so much for joining us today on smallbusinesshorsepower.com. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed seeing you. And it's good to talk to you again, May. Thank you so much. Take care, Paul. You also. 